The Kinsey spectrum is just completely nonsense. It is a really bad mechanism for understanding arousal patterns. The way arousal patterns should really be thought of is as individual arousal to disgust spectrums for specific visual, auditory, or conceptual stimuli. So what do we mean by this? Because a lot of people are like, what? Disgust isn't part of your sexuality. But if you think about it, what happens when you're aroused by something? You look at it longer, your eyes dilate, people often take a breath in. What happens when you're disgusted by something? Your pupils contract, you instinctively look away from it, you hold your breath. These sound like exactly mirroring reactions, almost as if they're the same system with a negative modifier applied to it. And then when we started mapping from our data, all of the arousal and disgust things that people have, what we realized pretty quickly is something you would find is anything that disgusted a portion of the population would arouse a corresponding smaller portion of the population. And anything that aroused a portion of the population would disgust another smaller portion of the population. So what it seems we have here is that some part in the developmental life cycle, and this happens much more in males. And this is where another interesting thing happens that you regularly see in gay males, which you don't see as much in gay females, and is a very interesting thing to explore. It was one of our sort of hints in this, is in gay males, you will often hear active disgust towards certain female visual stimuli or physical or conceptual stimuli that we associate with women. And, and so the question is, well, that's weird. Why would they begin to develop disgust around that when you don't see that in lesbian communities? So what our data actually showed is if you look at men, like anyone would expect, the predominantly arousing thing is the naked form of either males or females. But if you look at females, what we actually found is that is not the most arousing thing. It's a close second, but it's not the most arousing thing. The most arousing thing was submission or dominance. And so what we pointed out there is even the concept of gay or straight, even the concept that our sexualities should be primarily defined by male or female predominant attraction is misogynistic. Because mm. had women invented the field of sexuality research, they likely would have defined our sexuality as being predominantly dominance or submission based instead of male or female based. And that the only reason why this wasn't caught earlier is because the field is so dominated by identity politics that people can't say, well, let's, let's pretend like gay straight is just like not an important dichotomy and look at just like the data. Like what are the core things that are arousing different populations? Would you like to know more? Hello, gorgeous. Hello, Simone. How's it going today? Really good. Should I share one of my dirty little secrets with our followers? I think they find it a very fun and weird hobby to have. Right. Yeah. So whereas other people like research World War II history or learn how to knit, collect Barbies, I like to explore NSFW subreddits and try to figure out why exactly weird things seem to arouse people because I, I really don't get it. I'm largely asexual. So like, this is fascinating to me. I feel like I'm an alien exploring another planet and it's amazing. And I thought, I thought I'd seen every subreddit that it was NSFW. I thought I knew everything, even the really weird things like Sharpies and anuses. Like, you know, I, I thought I'd seen it all. And then I'm at this one late night dinner and and someone brings up Gone Wild Audio. 
And I guess I never checked it out as a subreddit, an NSFW subreddit. It sounds boring. Yeah. It sounds boring. It, it just sounds like, I don't know, people telling sexy stories. And so I'm like, this is lame. Not going to. And like, who wants to like sit down and listen to something, you know, when, when, you know, you're like idly exploring stuff online. So it, it just like this person was like, yeah, Gone Wild Audio, like, I discovered I could orgasm without without anything or anyone touching me uh, listening to this stuff. And I'm like, okay, so what? Uh, like what? So immediately I, I go, I go and I, I, I like dive down this rabbit hole and I am, my mind is blown because it is, it's like taking a theme park ride. You know, those haunted house rides where you're like on a little track and you're like going through the haunted house and like, like things are like coming out at you. It's like doing that. You're like putting yourself into the body of someone who's having some kind of arousing experience, but these aren't the experiences you would think necessarily. So like, obviously the really popular recordings that have gotten the most upvotes in all time and stuff, because the great way of exploring, you know, weird things on NSFW is to both see like what is the most popular and what gets the most votes for all time, but also like what's trending, like what weird niche things are, what's controversial. So obviously like the vanilla ones are, you know, typically very like mainstream kind of vanilla plots, but like the weird ones are like, you're being assimilated into the Borg and like, you know, you're listening to this audio clip and like you, the listener are like going in some, into some kind of machine and it's like, beep, boop, beep, boop. You are being assimilated. And it's just, it's you're like, what is happening to me? That was oh. a deep cut. I, but I went deep because there are all these different tags. Like you can look you in, in Gone Wild Audio, you can do M4F, F4M, M4A. So you're getting a male voice for all audiences, a female voice for male, et cetera. So like they have, of course, like lots of tags, like rape, non-consent, incest, like fantasy, sci-fi, Star Wars. There was, there was a recently like a, a Boba Fett sort of themed one. And like, this is just so nerdy. This is amazing. So I love that this is a lead in. Like we were talking about that. Somebody is like, oh, you guys should do an episode that's like just on fetishes people have. <sighs> and the reason why we wrote a book on sexuality, The Fragmented Guide to Sexuality, the reason why we're so interested in fetishes more generally, especially fetishes that are unmoored from reality. So <laughs> one is, 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 you know, audio, but then another you can look at is like hentai sites and stuff like that. And in both of these instances, what you're looking at is turn-ons for people that are unmoored from any constraints of reality. And when you see something that is very odd happening across populations, especially across cultures, and then especially if you see it happening over and over again historically, which is really interesting, what you are seeing there is something like an evolutionary scar in our psyche. Mm. By that, what I mean is at some point, there was some really weird evolutionary pressure or evolution was using our psychological systems in an odd way that reveals deeper and truer underpinnings about how our brain is programmed. Yeah. So you look across cultures, you look across websites, you will see vor, which is often talked about online. Like, somebody eating somebody else or like something eating something else. This yeah, is it like, like a carnivore. Yeah. This is like a persistently common fetish that like 
has nothing to do with breeding. And yet in the US, if you look at our survey on this and, and you can contrast those other surveys so the numbers are about equal, it looks like the number of people who are into this is larger than the number of people who live in the state of Massachusetts, hmm. which is like, I, I forgot, like the fourth most populated state or something. And like, also, I don't think it's a new thing because in the movie Gentlemen Prefer Blondes with Marilyn Monroe, there's this one scene in which Marilyn Monroe describes a somewhat sexy encounter she has with the owner of a diamond mine where he was pretending to be a python and she was pretending to be the goat. And that is so boring. We're like, we're role play. or third? When did this come out? Oh, like late 50s, 60s. But certainly before the internet. Oh, yeah, um, no, way pre-internet, way pre like any sort of mainstream. No, wait, another interesting thing is people often think of as like hentai being a modern thing. But if you look at Tijuana Bibles or Tilly Mac books, these were common in like the 1920s and they were sold under the table at newspaper stands and like some other types of places. And they would have like Betty Boop porn and they'd have. So isn't Barbie. that like what? That's rule 34. It's like basically rule 34. Yeah, like rule 34 is really yeah. old. And I, I would actually bet if you go back historically to like ancient Greek times, you probably would have found, you know, similar sorts of. Well, um, yeah, you can even see political cartoons really early and I'm sure even earlier, but around the French Revolution where they have illustrations of like Marie Antoinette and her primary ladies in waiting doing raunchy, naughty things. Obviously, some of that was political commentary and slander, but a lot of it was also like, and these are women doing sexy things and people enjoy looking at images of that. You know, well, I mean? you know, it sells, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that a lot of people view, you know, a lot of our weird stuff today as being like modern degeneracy. Oh, mm -hmm. another great one was uh, we have this in our book. I, I forget. Who's the Irish author who was really into fart porn? Oh, gosh. Wrote, it wasn't James Joyce, was it? I think it was James Joyce. Yeah. I want to say it was James Joyce. Yeah. Hold on. You're going to read it. You're going to, you're going to. I gave you a bigger, stronger F than usual. Fat, dirty farts came sputtering out of your backside. You had an ass full of farts that night, darling. And I F'd them out of you. Big fat fellows, long windy ones, quick little merry cracks, and a lot of tiny little naughty farties <laughs> ending in long gush from your hole. And he just goes on and on, paragraph after paragraph about farts. And this is something that I think today we think of as like a modern degeneracy. And <laughs> the larger point here, or you look at like BDSM, this used to be called the English vice. It was so <laughs> common. And the assumption was that it was caused by school teachers spanking school kids with with paddles hot that's hot i don't know I, I hear that passage and all i can think is here's this woman who really cares about james joyce or is very incentivized for him to stay with her who's like oh, i don't know God. you know he, he's coming over that night she's like yeah, shoving beans like and she's like okay how to like trying to hold it in the right way to give him the right variation of farts like i'm just thinking how's this woman pulling this off because I'm, I'm thinking about this like clearly elongated lovemaking <laughs> scene the logistics of how this yes this probably like prostitute keeps him interested this well this this is honestly like what i think about as i go through like an nsfw subreddits i'm like wow, like where, where do they get the diapers? You know, like where, like where did they source that really weird whip? Like how are they handling, like how are they managing their energy over this five hour session? Like what kind of antibiotics are they on right now? All these sorts of things. Like these are really interesting things to me. And I, okay. So now to the, the question at hand. So what is probably really going on with all of this? Mm. And there were two, you know, one of the first things we really noticed from our book is when we contrasted our research with existing research, 
one of the things that we added to the research that we were looking at was not just the consumption of drawn pornographic material, mm-hmm. but romance novels and fan fiction. Because that's the real stuff right there. Yeah. All of a sudden, women and men stopped looking as different in the data. We began to see about equal amounts of pornographic consumption in terms of the diversity of the consumption, not in terms mm-hmm. But well, that- but the great thing about that too, for women, I feel like women just like one, they're super pervy and two, it's totally like, just like, it's not fair how like acceptable their erotic material is. You know, we're not paying for a very, like a, a raunchy site subscription as a family. Like we'll pay for a Netflix subscription and Bridgerton is sitting on that. And like, that's totally like, you know, you know, it's. I mean, we, we live in a world where Fifty Shades of Grey was like the best selling book in the world <laughs> for a long time. And yeah. this was just like kinky female porn (laughs) but anyway but i mean that's a weird thing why do women like that why do they like being put in these scenarios so that was one we already did so if you're interested Mm -hmm. in why women or men like submissiveness we have covered that in a lot of detail in the interview with diana fleischman that we did um Mm -hmm. but what i want to cover is how human sexuality works more broadly now that we've done Mm. this fun intro thing here So when we were looking at things, the point I was making on the VOR thing that I wanted to get to is Mm. you will see weird turn-ons like that or like a category of porn where like people get stuck in mud, right? But then there's other big categories where you will see almost no porn, like people catching on fire or falling off high locations. Yeah, never Um, seen that. Yeah, these are things we have like visceral fears of or emotions around. So like, why are you seeing it in some areas and not others? Because I think- some people think either one, this is a new thing, two, this is a thing that's just anything can turn people on, and mm-hmm. three, it's a sign of our, our current moral degeneracy, and yes, that may have added to it, yes, the internet may have added to it, but all of these things existed before the internet, or a lot of them existed before the internet, so what's really going on here? So the first and sort of understanding our arousal spectrum is the Kinsey spectrum is just completely nonsense. It is a really bad mechanism for understanding arousal patterns. The way arousal patterns should really be thought of is as individual arousal to disgust spectrums for specific visual, auditory, or conceptual stimuli. So a lot of people may say something like, oh, males are one stimuli. So it's like males to females, how much are you? But that's not really it. You, you, If you look at straight males, one of the things we found in our survey is like a huge portion of them are turned off by the sight of a vagina, but turned on by the sight of a penis. So this is like a quarter of them. Yet they are turned on by the concept of a woman, the silhouette of a woman, breasts, butt, and a female everything else. So what you're seeing there is, okay, so let's talk about primary and secondary sex characteristics. Primary sex characteristics are really just the stuff you use to reproduce, i.e. the stuff below the belt. Secondary sex characteristics are things that are useful, like after reproduction, so it might be a guy being larger, having rougher hands, or bigger hands, it's female breasts. These two systems for arousal actually seem disconnected for each other, given how frequently they uncouple in terms of the populations we were looking at. So to even talk about arousal patterns to males, arousal patterns to females is wrong. And this is likely why you see things like quote unquote puta porn being so common, because that's appealing to this portion of the otherwise straight male demographic who is interested in this sort of weird combination of parts that you don't see that often in nature. And, and, And then you have to get to why that's happening, which we'll get to in a bit. 
but anyway, so we talk about individual stimuli. Now, one could be like the concept of, of being eaten or the concept of farting or some set of visual stimuli, like large breasts or something like that, or secondary sex characteristics of a specific nature. And then we say these exist on an arousal to discuss metric. So what do we mean by this? Because a lot of people are like, what? Disgust isn't part of your sexuality. But if you think about it, what happens when you're aroused by something? You look at it longer, your eyes dilate, people often take a breath in. What happens when you're disgusted by something? Your pupils contract, you instinctively look away from it, you hold your breath. These sound like exactly mirroring reactions, almost as if they're the same system with a negative modifier applied to it. And then when we started mapping from our data, all of the arousal and disgust things that people have, what we realized pretty quickly is something you would find is anything that disgusted a portion of the population would arouse a corresponding smaller portion of the population. And anything that aroused a portion of the population would disgust another smaller portion of the population. So what it seems we have here is that some part in the developmental life cycle, and this happens much more in males, this sort of flip sign in the data, something that's supposed to disgust you turns out to arouse you. So this is why you get like, there's a category of, of arousal and arousing things called like creepy crawlers, where people have like insects poured on them. But then you also have stuff like, you know, feces being poured on someone, stuff like that, all of these random disgusting things. And so what we think is happening there is you have this disgust modifier. And this is where another interesting thing happens that you regularly see in gay males, which you don't see as much in gay females, and is a very interesting thing to explore. It was one of our sort of hints in this, is in gay males, you will often hear active disgust towards certain female visual stimuli or physical or conceptual stimuli that we associate with women. And, and so the question is, well, that's weird. Why would they begin to develop disgust around that when you don't actually see that in lesbian communities as often? This is something we also don't see in straight female populations. So gay males' sexuality does not look like straight female sexuality, but more like a mirror of straight male sexuality, where you also see this disgust reaction, but to male-associated stimuli. And what we suspect is going on here is something during the developmental life cycle in males determines their primary gender of attraction and then starts applying negative modifiers to other things. But this process is why in males, more than females because there's already this negative modifier process. What it's actually doing is not applying to negative modifiers to things. It's basically multiplying pathways by a negative one is what you can think of it as. And it will sometimes turn arousal pathways to disgust pathways and sometimes turn disgust pathways to arousal pathways because you see that phenomenon much more in males and females. So this is just a broad understanding of how we, we see arousal. Do you want to talk to any of the subjects here, Simone? No, I just, it's, it resonates so much more. Like it, it's so odd to think that sex is limited. I think one thing that you point out in our sexuality book that is useful for people to think about is that I think men are, are more likely to be really sensitive to signs of gender. And also men were the original ones doing this sexuality research and doing it from that very male perspective without even thinking that things like romance novels would be considered as erotic material. And that could be one of the reasons why for so many years, that was the paradigm for all well, this research. Yeah, I really love what you're saying here. So what our data actually showed 
is if you look at men, like anyone would expect, the predominantly arousing thing is the naked form of either males or females, right? Like that is the normal thing that most arouses males if you look across the population. But if you look at females, what we actually found is that is not the most arousing thing. It's a close second, but it's not the most arousing thing. The most arousing thing was submission or dominance. And so what we pointed out there is even the concept of gay or straight, even the concept that our sexualities should be primarily defined by male or female predominant attraction is misogynistic. Because Mm. had women invented the field of sexuality research, they likely would have defined our sexuality as being predominantly dominance or submission based instead of male or female based. And that the only reason why this wasn't caught earlier that women focus on that more than they focus on male or female is because almost all of the early researchers in the space were male and they just weren't thinking like women and they were leaving out tons of data sources that would have immediately elucidated this, as Simone pointed out. And I find that really fascinating because I think it shows how nascent the field of research here really is. And how much is being ignored because the field is so dominated by identity politics that people can't say, well, let's just throw out all of the identity politics. Like, let's pretend like gay straight is just like not an important dichotomy and look at just like the data. Like, what are the core things that are arousing different populations? And then you start to be like, oh, so like in women, gender is less important than dominance or submission. Why isn't that a primary spectrum? The reason, of course, being that people began to develop their identities around the rather nascent concepts coming out of the field of sexuality a few decades ago. And now if you update the research, if you update the academic consensus, then you are undermining people's identities. So you can't really update the consensus in academia anymore. It it is permanently canon wherever the field happened to be about 30 years ago. And that is a big reason why the field of sexuality is just so backwards right now. And that the only people really pushing forwards sexuality research at the moment are people like Ayla, who are outside of the academic bureaucracy. Side note before we go forwards, I realize I should probably explain what the Kinsey scale is before I go on a tirade explaining why it's such a bad scale. It basically posits that human sexuality can be predominantly thought of as existing on a scale from gay to straight or female to male predominant attraction. But even here, so let's talk about like our system versus the Kinsey spectrum, because I think Mm -hmm. that this is a very useful thing to understand. So if you boil down our system to its simplest level, the way you would think of it as is, and we're using the Kinsey spectrum, part of the system, arousal to females to discuss to females, arousal to males, to discuss to males. And these are two different stimuli categories that have no tie to each other. So two people could be all the way on arousal to both males and females. Two people could be all the way to disgust on both males and females. And two people could be all the way in the neutral to both males and females, right? Right. And the reason why this system is much more useful is within the Kinsey spectrum, you would literally mark somebody who was exactly equal neutral to males and females and who was like neutral to males, but far disgust to females at exactly the same part of the spectrum or disgust to females, disgust to males, neutral males, neutral females. All of these people would be in the same part of this, this bar, even though there's their actual sexual representations are wildly different. Yeah. 
It's crazy. And the other thing it helps elucidate is that disgust, if disgust is an inborn part of our sexuality, if it is something that is, or so, so saying sexuality is unchangeable is a wrong thing. You can, you know, in trans people, the predominant gender of attraction changes about 25% of the time during hormone therapy. So like you can change what turns you on, but you, you can't change it like intentionally. You can also change like how much you're turned on. It's like rolling for loot in Diablo. Like you can <laughs> roll for loot, but you don't know exactly what you're going to get. You can't like right. choose the outcome. But the yeah. point here being is if, if, if the things that are discussed to you don't, are, are things outside of your control, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then one of the problems we have is that when we feel this, this feeling of disgust and we don't know why we're feeling it, one of the, 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 the jumps to that most people have is this thing must be immoral. And this is something we see, you know, historically. So you look at lepers, like people assume there was something immoral about them because they created this feeling of disgust in people. And, and the disgust was to stay away from this person who might get you a disease, you know, like evolution was using that system. But this is a big problem for arousal patterns because when we hear people with arousal patterns that cause disgust in us, we often assume that there must be something immoral about them. And I think that, it's very important to distinguish between consenting things happening between adults that in no way like it hurts their ability to reproduce in anything and things that we should actually see as disgusting because of It'll some sort of moral or... framework we hold other yeah. than the j just this causes disgust in me therefore it's immoral yeah yep yep yeah and just because something turns you on doesn't mean you think it's moral or good or that you even like it or want it to happen with rape being the really big example that there's a shocking number of people aroused yeah. by not not role play but real actual rape when we know and, this because we ask these questions in a role we ask yes. rape role play and then we ask real rape and so we got like a huge we, we we knew this where there was no confusion in the in the survey but yeah and but that doesn't mean that they wanted it to happen to them and i think that no, that's another not. really important thing yeah, it's not like people who, you know, experience it or people who actually did experience it themselves and then found it arousing. Like, that doesn't mean they're okay with it. That doesn't mean that they wanted it or asked for it or ever wanted it to happen again. So I think it's it's just really important, but that it's it goes both ways. And, you know, in, in that you may feel this instinctive desire to see someone who is aroused by something that you don't morally accept to be themselves reprehensible, themselves bankrupt, when really they have no control over that. Just because something turns someone on doesn't mean that they morally condone it. And it also doesn't mean that they want that thing to happen by any stretch of the imagination. So this has been the briefest of overviews of our sexuality research. We didn't go into any of the weird side paths or anything like that. We just went over like a broad spectrum of how we understand sexuality. And we can go deeper if people want us to go deeper in future videos, but I don't want to just have the algorithm think of us as like a sexuality channel. So we, we are- Let us know. Let us know in the comments if there's something else you want us to explore. And I will leave you with this. One of my favorite things about Gone Wild Audio and why it is probably my favorite NSFW world on the internet is it really enables you to explore things that arouse other people in a much more first person way. So it's not like looking at an image and being like, I don't know what's going on here or looking at a picture or a video and just not getting it. You are, you know, if you close your eyes and like really try to put yourself in the position of the way that the audio works is you as a listener are experiencing something like someone's talking to you, things are happening. There's often like sound effects. It's, it's like people go all out. It's they put time into it. I such, 
big, deep respect for this. And it really allows you to more empathetically experience someone going through whatever the scenario is that turns them on. And you may not, like, it, it will not arouse you if you're, like, listening to something that's not, like, part of your particular network of things that turns you on. But it will... I think it will help you just better understand other people and what other people are turned on by, especially when you rank by what gets the most upvotes. So, and, and do this, don't just do this for like, if you're a woman, don't just do this for men targeting women content, do this also for women targeting men content, because then you understand like what a large number of men are turned on by like scenarios that really turn well, like, it's just, it's so good at helping you understand other people's points of view. So just, if you do one thing, let this be your homework and enjoy. <laughs> And I, just to add to what she's saying, because I think it's really interesting, is is I think what she's capturing there and the reason why she finds this so engaging is it's the one aspect of other people that is hardest to empathize with. Yeah. It is hardest to model the way that other people are fantasizing when something's arousing them because it is probably psychologically the largest area of differentiation between humans. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard watching like, two or three or however many other people doing a thing and to really empathize with them. It's very different to, this is as close as you can get to walking in their shoes, to like literally trying to embody their experience. It's like going into someone else's body and loving it. It's, it's fun. It's awesome. Do it. And I, I don't know if I'd say do it. It sounds great. I've never, she's, I, I, I think it's delightful how much she finds this engaging. And, and oh, and you'll find your face. You're like, your face will contort into the most massive cringes sometimes. And sometimes you'll have to just, yeah, I don't, I don't, that doesn't sound. There's some, there are some portions I have to fast forward through. I'm not going to say what, cause there's some, there's some things that a lot of people really like that. Like for me, extreme disgust response, extreme disgust response, but Again, like just, it helps me understand like, oh, I am in the minority here. Like I may think that everyone thinks this is gross. I am super wrong. And I've learned a lot from this. So anyway, do it, Malcolm. I love you. This is really fun. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation already. Oops, you can see I uh, froze there at the end. So that's why you didn't have the sign off for me. I, I would love people if, if they do like these sorts of topics to let us know in the comments and we can do more videos like this especially if there's specific areas of arousal that you personally find really interesting. One final little thing. If anybody wants to help out with any part of this channel, whether it's to create some sort of community group or to help edit shorts or manage a TikTok or something for us, we would be really happy for the assistance. In regards to the group, if anybody does start a group or anyone has started a group, because I know some people were talking about that in previous comments, please let us know because we actually only post about half of the videos we make. We do that to try to keep the quality really high. So I'll, I'll sometimes go through a video and I'll just be like, eh, I don't know if this is good enough for our watchers. Uh, but, you know, it would be maybe fun to dump some of the ones that we don't publish in a community like that. And then if any of them get a lot of attention, then uh, I can post them to the main channel. This is, this is probably far more work than I should be putting into a uh, YouTube with less than 5,000 followers. But I, I really appreciate the recent follower growth and the encouraging comments we've been getting. It means a lot to me and it, it keeps me motivated to uh, try to make this a thing.